Hey everyone, welcome to episode 117 of 15 with Andy, Randy, and sometimes Jeff. So thank you for joining us again after our first week in over two years and 116 episodes that we were completely absent. Zip, zero, nada. And yours truly is 100% to blame for our absence and extend my heartfelt apologies to each of you. It has been a rough 10, 11, 12 days. I'm losing track of dealing with the nastiest flu cold combo that I have ever had in my entire life. No joke. And I'm still not completely feeling up to speed, but here we are. So hopefully it will be another 10 years before such sickness again invades and even longer before we miss another Wednesday morning with you. But hopefully you're not contagious. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking not, but you know, we'll scrub everything down once we're done. Our last episode was the final installment of our Text Me summer series, which was by Andy McDonald, where we decided that right now, today, we get the privilege of living filled with hope, not in us, but hope in God because we now know that we will inherit eternal life. You can, of course, catch up on all the episodes. If you're on iTunes, just swipe up and all the links are there. Or you can click on episodes at hospitalchurch.org slash podcast. Now, we started a new series last week called Great Question. And let us, give us a little background about this, Andy, what this series is well, every we, year. We started it last year. It was last year was time. the first time? Okay. Uh, and just to say, what, what's, what questions are on some of our young adult minds that they like to hear the church speak to? And so that's, that's how we did last year, and we just took a cadre of questions that came Again. in. <laughs> and, and this year they interviewed our young adult class called Centered oh, okay. and got the questions from the Centered group. Uh, we don't see the questions. Uh, well, I got my question two weeks in advance because I was going to be canoeing be for gone. a week. Yeah. yeah, but normally you get them the week before, and you get that week to Ooh. say something. Hopefully, to make some sense. <laughs> <laughs> a little pressure. And, and well, more than having an answer is really just a willingness to wrestle with the question, oh, and good. that's really. I think more significant than trying to find an answer even is just let's look and see what answers might be out there and what does the scripture say about this as well. So last week again, I was sick. I, I heavily medicated myself, <laughs> hoping that I could just get a couple of minutes where I could just record from home and just give some thoughts on what Jeff preached about last week. So definitely go back and check out last week's message if you missed it because these are really, really good. And the questions – aren't just simple answers. They're not, no. not always going to find an answer. And I think once we dive into what I'm asking today, we'll probably have even less answers. But make sure you don't miss that because I think each one of these gives us something to chew on, something to look into deeper ourselves. And hey, maybe we can't answer the question, but maybe we never thought of the question before. Yeah. Something to think about, something to study. All right. So I was super happy to see that Jeff wasn't the only person who was going to be grappling with a heavy-duty question. <laughs> and I as soon as I read Matthew 25, which was in verses 34 through 40, the numbers didn't exactly ring any bells to start with. But as soon as I got there, I was like, oh, this is what we're asking. So I knew at that point you were going to have your hands full because this is a question to people who are unbelievers but are loving people, do they know God? And that tends to make Christians uncomfortable because it challenges that part of our members' only protectionism and immediately can cause us to dismiss such questions as trivial, right? Right. And, ah. and, we, want to, and we want to believe, uh, every human wants to believe that they're special. And, and within Christendom, the same thing <laughs> is true. Sure. And so, you mean, I've, I've done all this and I've, I've stayed true to God all these years or I grew up in the church doing – and. This person's non-believer, and they know God too. <laughs> that that like doesn't on, feel good. <laughs> yeah, like they're on equal footing, and we've put all this work in. <laughs> right. Yeah. So just to be clear, 
I know you ended up talking to the person who asked this question. Mm -hmm. What are we really talking about in this question when we say knowing God? Well, I I believe that for this person, it was like if a person they get to know in the workplace, uh, Mm -hmm. because these are young career people or or maybe some in school still, but I meet this friend who seems to really care about people and love people, and they have the same kind of love that God has. Are they God's friend? Are they on the inside track with God? Do they know God, even though they may not profess to know God? Maybe they weren't raised with anything. Sure. I mean, right. I can think of three or four people off the top of my head as soon as I realized what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. Yeah. And even had some of those people ask me, well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't believe what you believe. And frankly, from what I know about Christians, I think you're a little weird <laughs> with this whole Seventh-day Adventist thing. Right. So immediately I was intrigued. And then for some odd reason, and and this may be far off course from where you had originally planned, but (laughs) I wanted to get your take on something because what stuck out to me was how did these verses, these, what, six verses here in in Matthew 25, how do these verses mesh or reconcile or do they with John 3.16? Because in both instances, there's no mention of church or denomination, but only believers and the righteous. For many, aren't these as titles of believer and righteous just merely assumed salvation? Well, if you're anyone who believes, well, that's salvation. Or if you're the righteous, well, then it says right there, the right hand of God. Isn't that just assumed? And? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I see what you're going, but they're related in the sense that these behaviors are never causal. They're only revelatory. Right. So I I think that's really part of the key to the whole process is that we're not making ourselves something by feeding the hungry and clothing the naked and visiting those in prison. That doesn't achieve anything for us, but it is revelatory of our hearts and what they're, what's in their heart. You know, a, a mean-spirited, disgruntled narcissist is not going to go caring for people unless it's to their advantage somehow. <laughs> and that takes all of the true, <laughs> the true reward out of it, actually. Yeah. And so <clears throat> it's, I think it's really important to realize that you can see it as, as evidentiary things. It's, sure. This is something as evidence that there's something going on in the person's life, but it's not causal. It's only revelatory. Okay. Because honestly, when you start to think about when people look at us and say, oh, well, okay, all I have to do is believe. That's what you keep telling us. And then now you're saying that these people that do these things are the righteous and they're going to be in heaven and the people that don't aren't going to be. Because if that was true, wouldn't that be the equivalent of the argument that, well, once saved, always saved, or you know that whole watered down grace mm-hmm. by the very people who claim that the bootstrap methodology is what we have to do. To, you know what I'm saying? The right. argument kind of goes mesh sure. hand in hand with those. Well, I just you, want people to be sure that we're clear. Right. If you believe that by feeding hungry people and by clothing naked people and by visiting sick people and by being hospitable and by having prisoners and you know go see the prisoners when they're in prison, that that will get you something, then we are we stepped we stepped away from grace. Yeah. We stepped away from salvation that is a gift to us completely. If we realize that when we've when we've accepted Christ and we have grace in our lives that it is transformative in its nature, and it results in things like feeding hungry (laughs) people and clothing naked people and visiting those in prison and caring for sick people, uh, being hospitable. So again, it's sort of cart and horse a little bit. We don't accomplish anything by these things, 
but they are testimonies of what's going on inside of us. Have we surrendered to Christ? Is he transforming us into new creatures? And here's some evidence that that is so. Yeah, because I believe you said our good acts of loving people are causal to nothing, but revelatory of everything. Right. And again, we start talking about salvation, and we always have to attach that disclaimer because immediately— just like in politics, we tend to jump on whatever side we like, maybe we feel most comfortable or maybe the way we were raised or a combination of both. Mm -hmm. But for those that would look at that and say that it's watered down grace and we all just want to sing kumbaya and just be happy. And, you know, (laughs) those kind of get portrayed as the lazy Christians or the lesser Christians creed, because Hmm. you're not really in it to do. I mean, you're just, you just want to, you just want to take the grace. You want the benefit and none of the other And I know it's been rehashed a million times, but I think that what you said there that I just don't want people to miss is that causal to nothing but revelatory of everything, because if you... If you truly have been changed, then this is an obvious outpouring of that change, right? Yeah, and and I think it's important to recognize that maybe no one person did all of those things. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. When you read through Ephesians, it talks a lot about how the church is to be without spot or wrinkle, a, a perfect bride for the you know the coming Jesus. Yeah. And sometimes we think that puts a lot of pressure on us. Well all the yous in Ephesians are plural. And it's you, the body of Christ, are to do all these things. So don't think you gotta load all this on one person. You know, you <laughs> you gotta be everything to everybody about everything. Uh you be faithful in your walk with God. Allow him to transform you and see what results. Find your niche yeah. and, and what you can find to do. One thing that I left this kind of this message thinking about was social justice ministries are often an afterthought, if any thought at all, mm-hmm. in too many churches. In many ways, it seems like our discipleship mentoring should start there, shouldn't it? Sure. Ba- based on this, really? Mm-hmm. And there's really a, a question, cart and horse again a little bit, but... Uh, there's a great quotation in the little book Steps to Christ that says the only way to grow in grace is to be doing the very things that Christ has for us to to help others to the degree that we're able to help them. Mm-hmm. So if if you need a billion dollars, I'm not going to be much help to you. Okay. <laughs> what? But if you Andy, if you, if you if you need a burger, you know, I'm probably your guy. I'm your guy. And so to help people to the degree that we're able to help them, well, who can't do that? Sure. Because we're not asking people to work outside their ability. We're asking people to help people and make the world a better place for our passing through it. And those are things, and that's the way we grow in grace. As we exercise the great grace he's given to us by extending grace to others, that just enlarges the grace in our lives. And so it's it's this great sort of circle of beneficence. Well, and I think we have to find our, again, our niche in this, because a lot of times we look around at those that we think – through at least our lens, are getting it right. You know, Mm -hmm. we look at someone and saying, well, they're loving and they're caring for the least of these, just like the text says. There's a tendency sometimes to disengage and feel like, well, I'm not good enough. I I don't do that. Or I'm not creative Mm -hmm. enough to have thought of insert or insert whatever fear that you come up with. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first thing that came to my mind was from outside in. I mean, look at the amazing work that Chrissy has done over time. Right. And yet when you read her blog – you also find out that she has been going through struggles, ups and downs, locations, and now we have it, now we don't. And so all of these things, and you can just look at it and say, well, okay, maybe you didn't come up with that idea, but you could certainly join forces with someone right. like Chrissia. Right. I just watched a video the other day that made me just really smile, and I haven't been able to get it out of my mind. Someone said, you know, I wonder, I see this homeless guy in the street. 
And he goes up and asks him, he says, what could I do for you? He said, man, I could use some long johns and a pair of socks for at night. It's really cold. He was in New York City. Mm -hmm. So he's like, hmm, let's give this a try. Opens up his phone, goes to the Amazon Now app that does the two-hour delivery. Went on and bought two pairs of long johns and a pair of socks or a couple pairs Uh of socks. Delivered to John. He's the guy on the corner wearing the brown jacket with no shoes on. And and like an hour later, the (laughs) Amazon driver comes up and hands this guy a bag. And the guy looks at him and he's like, are you, what? This is for me? And he's like, yeah, yeah. He said, this is from so-and-so. And and they had uh, asked you before. And he's like, and I mean, the guy's in tears because someone did something nice for him. So, I mean, there's a million ways that we can impact someone's life that doesn't take planning a, a, a nonprofit organization or doing anything right. just huge, but just that little impact, you never know what that kind of, how big that impact is. Sure. And in the essence, and the reality is the essence of that action demonstrates that we love that person. Yeah. And everyone, John, first John 4, 8, 7 and 8, everyone who loves knows God. Everyone who doesn't love doesn't know God. I mean, it's a, <laughs> I mean, I should just point into the sermon <laughs> there. <with> that. <laughs> There's going to be someone that said, because it came into my mind, I'm like, that seems a little oversimplistic. <laughs> but then on the other, after I thought about it, I'm like, I almost felt a little ashamed for feeling that way. I said, well, maybe sometimes the Bible is just that simple. Why are we trying to make it difficult? Well, we think about it. If we think about the great principle of God's self-definition as I am love, God is love. Mm-hmm. And then we have it divided like a trunk of a tree, I am love. And then it divides in these two branches, love to God and love to man. And then we see it branch on out into to Ten Commandments, you know, the, the ways to love God, ways to love man. And then it branches on, for, on all kinds of little capillaries from yeah. there. One thing I wanted to ask you was, how should this question that we wrestled with this week, how should this question directly impact members, staff, in the overall future of the hospital church or whatever the new name of the tr- hospital <laughs> yeah, church is whatever going we're going to be, be called whatever we're going to be called in the future how should this directly impact us moving forward well i think first of all it should make us extremely accepting of other people mm-hmm. we tend to i think as christians in general want to capture something that's just ours and hold on to it like yeah. like we have we have the copyright on love, <laughs> and to recognize that when we see people acting in a loving way, uh, seeking justice, loving people, lifting people up, being kind, to recognize that those people, even if they don't profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, know God and have a blessing of God in their lives. And we we can see them as brothers and sisters of love, which sure. is the the quintessential thing that God says he is. And we should be able to join them. If they're yeah, doing something right. excellent in loving people and taking care of people, mm-hmm. we should be able to do that and not worry. About exactly what they believe and think and how they live their lives. Uh, you know, we can we can relax a little on some of those judgmental pieces and just be partners with them. And be partners. Yeah. I like that a lot. Man, we're almost out of time. But the other thing was, did we have a specific answer? To the question that do these people know God and is that the same as are these people going to be in heaven? I mean, is that what we're asking? Are these people? Well, Jesus said in John 17 that this is life eternal that they might know you, Mm -hmm. Father, and me, whom you sent. Hmm. And 
then if First John is correct, which I would believe it to be, in First John 4, 7, and 8, where it says everyone who loves knows God and everyone who doesn't love doesn't know God, then if you are a loving person, even if you don't know that you know God, uh, sure. there's, a, there's a knowledge base there. Mm-hmm. Of course, everyone who goes to heaven, everyone who goes to heaven will get there on the merits of Jesus Christ. I believe that as a Christian. Excellent, yep. But they may not know it till they get there. Sure. <laughs> that, that's, a little, think- that's a little scary to some people. Yeah, I think there'll be people that we don't expect to be right. there, obviously. I mean, right. that should be a no-brainer just given the human condition. Mm-hmm. But I think there'll be people that don't understand maybe until that happens, like, what is all this? Yeah. I went through my whole life thinking, well, I just tried to be the best person I could be, and, oh, this is yeah. heaven? Well, and I have people occasionally that will tell me, I, you know, I don't believe in God. And I'll, tell, I'll ask, tell me about the God you don't believe in. And when they and when they oh, describe good. when they describe the God they don't believe in, I don't believe in that like God, God either. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. What God? Okay. So this week, one of our FHC takeaways asked, "What do you think about the question? Do people who are unbelievers but are loving people know God?" Now, I would genuinely like to see your thoughts, comments, or questions on this because I think how we deal with this question most certainly impacts how other people see us and how other people mm-hmm. are going to interact with us and how. Other people will see Jesus in us because if we don't believe this, then I think what what's there to look at us and go, hmm, uh, there's a pretty great group of people there. I just you know I just don't see the connect there. So, and no matter which side you in, of course you can remain anonymous if you'd like. But I think there's a chance for real self and maybe church family introspection on this and who we are or who we should be as Jesus followers. So you can respond in a couple of different ways. You can use the FHC mobile app. You can send a text or voicemail to 407-965-1607 or podcast at hospitalchurch.org. Now, if you use the phone number, I have no idea who you are because there's zero (laughs) contacts in that. That's a Google voice number. So it's not like if you know me and you send me this, I'm going to recognize who it is and I don't go looking to see who it is. And if you want to share who you are, that's fine as well. But I really would like to hear that. So what would you say was the one thing that you just want people to remember because I forgot to put final thoughts this week? (laughs) I like like for people to remember that God transforms us as we know him. He makes us more like himself, which is more loving. Mm -hmm. And that as we behave like Matthew 25, it's not something we're accomplishing. It's simply revealing what God is doing in us. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Because you never know where somebody is in their journey. Right. And just assume that if they're doing these things, God in some way is molding that in them. That's right. God's God's a lot more for us than against us. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. All right, upcoming this week is going to be part three of our Great Questions series. And this is going to feature Adventist University President Edwin Hernandez. And boy, I tell you. Just when you think Jeff had it bad or Andy had it bad, this week is how do we know that the Bible is really inspired by God and who decided, who decided what would be included and how do we know that they chose correctly? Oh, man. Yes, that's, I'm so glad Edwin's <laughs> preaching. <laughs> so we'll have to reach out to Edwin and see if he can join us on the podcast yeah. uh, this upcoming week. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you, of course, as always, to Andy, Jeff, and Tom. And do join us again next Wednesday for Episode 118. Thanks for listening and have a great week.